Welcome to Business Talk Sister Doc. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is How to Manage Difficult People and Stay Sane. We are on part four of this series. And so if you have not started at the beginning, I would highly recommend going back and starting there. I will say that each episode I've done, I've tried to summarize the previous episode so you can get the highlights. So last week we talked about know the signs of compassion fatigue and understand the difference between that and burnout. And then we discussed evaluate where you are with burnout and compassion fatigue before making drastic illogical decisions that could affect you long term, especially if you're in that all or nothing mentality. Um, Then we started discussing uh, just some really key things to help give you more grace for other people in understanding different mental uh, psychological disorders. We discussed reactive attachment disorder as well as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and those are really valuable things to know to watch for as you're dealing with different people because it can give you a lot more insight into how to manage those people and support them in ways that their brain functionality allows for them to be successful. So now we're going to keep going with uh, defining what those different disorders are to watch for and then hopefully we're going to be able to get into some other stuff about how to manage those things and I'll be covering some some different aspects of how to manage through each one that may potentially be an issue for somebody you're working with. Uh, Oppositional defiance disorder is pretty actually common and a lot of people get diagnosed with it um, when they're a teenager because they're commonly rebelling against their parents, right? But that actually can not just end with your parents uh, when it's oppositional defiance. It can it can be any person of authority. And if you have somebody that really struggles with just respecting authority and listening and following directions, a big way that you can handle that is through trying to allow that person to feel like they're being in control by giving them options. And I know I had discussed that in the past of saying, here, you can do this or you can do this. And commonly as well, I always try to have um, a backup plan of like, if you don't do these things, this is what will happen, either this or this, but you need to choose what that is. And if you don't, then I'm going to have to decide for you because you give them the opportunity to choose. And if they don't choose, you can't just sit around forever and just wait for them to do something. So always try to have a backup of like, you can do this or this. And if you can't decide within X amount of time, I will decide for you. This can be a really helpful way to distributing work within a team if you have someone that has this issue. And honestly, some people do not grow out of this with their hormones. So good news for most people who have teenagers that might be going through it, but not good news if you're managing that person and they've never grown out of it. And it's super common for oppositional defiance disorder to actually be an additional coupling pair with something else such as uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And and honestly, everything that we've talked about so far with the reactive attachment, the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, those all, you could have somebody who has all four of these things. And so trying to piece that apart for that person can be really difficult as you're trying to figure out what actually is the issue I can help with. So like I said, detective work is kind of part of that 
process. So we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD. This uh, in a younger person or like if it hasn't been dealt with can look a lot like ADHD. And I don't think I mentioned this before with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, but a lot of people who have not been diagnosed with FASD, actually the first contributing factor of people to start down that path is ADHD. Now, and that's where it gets really tricky with PTSD because it can look a lot like ADHD, the inability to focus on something, um, just have a calm body, you're constantly moving, uh, being distracted. That is actually something that happens because of a, a, a traumatic experience as well. And there are certain things for PTSD that can trigger that person to go back into the fight or flight section of their brain. And I've heard of people being triggered by just having a plaid shirt because that's the most common outfit of the person who used to physically beat them up or um, the sound of a soda can opening because that's the first sign that someone's about to get drunk and become really angry. So any any kind of situation where they've ex- this person has experienced traumatic things in life, and it could be from war, it could be from um, abuse as a child, neglect. There's so many aspects to PTSD and how somebody could get it or how it can manifest in that person's life. And it is commonly coupled with these other things. So be aware of that and know that if if you're really seeing a lot of these symptoms of a person not being able to focus, there may be other things going on. I mean, maybe it is ADHD or maybe there's like anxiety happening because that can look a lot like uh, PTSD as well. However, it's important to just kind of keep asking that person questions about, are you doing okay? And if they're like, yeah, why do you keep asking me that? Um, Then you can say, well, I noticed that this is happening. You can't put your pen down and you keep making these noises. And I'm wondering if if your body feels uncomfortable. And just asking questions like that can be really helpful for that person to recognize that other people are noticing there's something going on with them. But it can also open up an opportunity for conversation if that person says, well, yeah, actually there's different things going on. And you can as a manager because you care about them try to get them connected with the human resources department to figure out if there's something that can um, support them better and maybe it's like a loud sound that happens um, throughout the workday does it mean that we can get um, headphones for you or like earplugs to to keep your body from feeling like it's in danger all the time and so there's a lot of conversation pieces that can ha- happen with that. You just need to recognize that not everyone's going to tell you what's wrong with them. And some people might feel uncomfortable talking about a disability or a traumatic experience. And that's okay. You don't need to push. But just know that you can do your best to just ask and listen to make sure that people are okay. I wouldn't, you're not allowed as a business owner. You should not say, do you have a disability? Like you shouldn't ask that question. But you can ask... How are things going with you? What's going on with this? I notice you're having um, these kind of things. You can point out to things that are obvious, but you can't outright say, um, do you have a disability? Because that's an that's a human resources issue. So let's talk about conduct disorder. <laughs> okay, so when someone it disregards basic social standards and rules and commonly doesn't learn well from their mistakes, they may have conduct disorder. Now, this can be something that manifests in a lot of different ways. Um, That person can, there's maybe like some even higher things going on that 
if somebody does have this, it can be really difficult for them to maintain a job because maybe when they get escalated, they're um, trying to use their size as a tool for intimidation. Maybe they just are refusing to listen or change. Or it could be that they're uh, lying about things or stealing things. That that can be a really big problem. And so just know that there may be something, if, if that's a problem you're having and managing somebody, there may be other stuff going on with them. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able as a manager to fix that or be able to help them. But it may be an opportunity to point them to help that could get them to a successful path in the future. Now, sometimes it's best for necessary directions to be given by other people when somebody has a conduct disorder or PTSD or oppositional defiance because here's the thing um, look for those patterns we talked about there could be behaviors that are happening only when men talk to that individual or only women because maybe there's something in their past that they've had issues with where they don't respect that group of people and it's it could be actually a size issue where some people will only respect people that are bigger than them because they feel that they can't intimidate them with their body size. So sometimes to mitigate some of those issues of conflict, it's it's necessary to have a different mouthpiece direct that person's work. And some of the things I'm telling you can feel really frustrating because you can't change the fact that you're a petite person or that this person is triggered to respond to you differently than another person. But this is not weakness on your part as a manager. You also don't need to feel insulted by it. Uh, and, and I think that's commonly where we go, um, especially when I have people disrespect me and it's like, well, it's because I'm a woman or whatever. I don't need to feel insulted by that. Um, you don't need to take personal offense to this and get upset because this is something that a lot of times was created in that person's brain because of previous experiences. It has absolutely nothing to do with you specifically. And that person isn't acting this way towards you because of something you did. They've just had a lot of life experiences that have been deeply ingrained into their brain that are just coming out on you because you're the person that's there present in the moment. Now, I know this can be exhausting, but I also want to reiterate, this is not your fault. You did not do these things to that person to cause them to react this way. And you're honestly getting the brunt of the other things people have done to them from the past. And that is so unfortunate. However, the good news is that a lot of these diagnoses that I've just covered, they're going to be able to improve with therapy and consistent relationships and safety. And if you have the capacity to be able to offer that person grace to have consistent relationship, because outside of this, maybe they're actually doing a pretty good job at their job. See if you can do things to help support that person to grow and become a better person. Now, there's so much to be said about consistency and stability. And I know that it's not always something that you can do in a work environment if somebody's not doing their job. And that's okay. But the reality is there's opportunities for you right now as you're noticing these things to be able to set that person up with connections to resources to utilize that can be more consistent than your business if they need them. And that is something that's great news for that person's life. 
And I always want to come back to that. Like people are not cogs and wheels and all that. People are people that we need to care about in business. If you're managing them, they're not getting their stuff done. Well, then maybe you need to part ways. But the reality is that blessing them as they leave is still so important. So here's where we want to get into some tools, uh, different approaches you can use to help people that are um, having difficulty as you're managing them. The first thing is you have to model the appropriate response because a lot of times people have not learned it from someone else. And now that they're adults entering the workforce, they have no idea what appropriate behavior looks like. So you as a manager need to model it and then compliment it when you see it done right. Now I'm talking about if you have somebody that's running your, your Hobart or your dishwasher or whatever, and they're missing stuff, whatever, and you have to go back through and you say, Hey, you got to do this better. You got to do this better or whatever. But then when you see them doing right, you have to call it out and praise it. And you have to say, Hey, I saw what you did there and you did it right that time. Good job. Now the tone of voice that you use, asking questions versus telling and having respect for others that you maybe don't particularly like either is how you teach other people to practice new behaviors. Now, if you can model that, it's going to make a significant difference on people's ability, difficult people's ability to respect you because you don't have to treat people the same way that they have always treated people in the past. And you don't have to mirror what they're doing and give in to their level basically. So knowing what to look for can help you try different techniques as well. Um, seeing if that person, it's, if it's consistently a tone of voice thing, that's uh, really helpful. Especially if you notice that person gets set off by other people's tone of voice. And you can set that person um, up with more success by talking to that other person and saying, hey, I notice that whenever you speak with this tone of voice, that person doesn't respond well and then they start getting really upset. So really working with your whole team to understand one another and how they can work together well is important in that. You should also always try to do work together first so that people can see what your standard is. If you're struggling with somebody who doesn't do a good job and works super fast uh, and they come back and say, it's done, um, I recommend that you ask, is it done to my standard? And are you ready for me to come take a look at your work? And after a few times of this, like you have to take the time though to go and look at their work and then go, okay, you did really good here on this, but here's what we're missing. And then you go back through and you make sure that it's done right. If you do this for a few times and repeat it, and I'm talking like more than a couple weeks, my friends, <laughs> because I've done this, um, and you can go over it with them to get it to the standard that it needs to be, they'll start slowing down and doing it a little better each time. People don't like being corrected. So if it's not to the level of what's expected, a lot of times when, when I ask that question, oh, is it done to my standard? That they'll take a moment and go, mm, well, let me go back and check just to make sure. And they'll go back and look. And, and sometimes it's not to my standard. But then when they come out, they're really confident that I'm going to like it because they know what, I, what I, is expected of them. Uh, really helpful in that is to use pictures and videos because sometimes there can be a huge miscommunication, especially when it comes to things like does 
this, what the definition of clean or done. My version of done is not always that person's version of done. So I use pictures a lot to say, does it look like this picture? And if they can look at the picture and look at their work and compare back and forth and realize, oh, that's not the same, then it's a lot easier for that person to visualize where their work needs to be in order for you to say it's approved. That black and white approach can be really, really helpful to somebody who um, maybe doesn't have that critical thinking skill by themselves. When you're really having a bad day managing difficult people, I always recommend that you come back to your why in life. Come back to the reason that you wanted to do this job. Now, there's a really big difference that we talked about last week in burnout versus compassion fatigue. So if it's the difficult people that you're trying to help that are causing you to be exhausted, that's really different than the the work culture itself and your management and all of that. So you need to separate those two and figure out why did you want this job? Was it because of the team? Was it because of the actual like skills that you were able to do in this? Maybe like when you started this business, you really wanted to solve this problem, but now it's so many things that it's so much more complicated than what you thought it was going to be originally. And that's okay to know that things are different than what you originally thought. Okay. A lot of times when people get to this point, they feel like a complete failure because it's gotten too hard for them. And now it seems like the complete opposite of the reason they got into this type of work in the first place. Now, listen, you're not a failure. You're just worn out. There is a reason so many jobs have such a high burnout rate. But if you can still get back to that why in life and what what it was that made you get into this, you can approach, okay, if that's my why, what can I do differently? How can I make my job look differently in, in making sure that I'm applying myself to fulfill my why, my purpose, while also setting healthy boundaries so that you don't get to this place of an all or nothing mentality where you're just like, I'm going to quit everything and be done. It's okay to take a break and evaluate my why is this, but how can I adjust my life to still be after that why without allowing myself to be affected so deeply over and over again? And if you're not taking breaks in between, um, yeah, that's a really big problem. If you're working way too much in this because it is something you love, you can have a really hard time separating and saying, you know what, it's healthy to have breaks from your why in order to have a sustainable life. Now, um, other times it can mean repositioning the work that you're doing with doing things a little bit differently or supporting those people who are were doing your job so that um, you don't have to put yourself directly in harm's way of difficult behaviors and people feeling like they're disrespecting you. Sometimes those difficult behaviors come out, especially at work when performance things are happening, and this can be really hard. So I'm just going to back up again to say it's important to tag team this with other people. Voice when you need someone else to be the ultimate authority on a decision. And I have done this and it is so beautiful. It is okay for someone else to be the one holding people accountable when you're getting worn out. You need those breaks and it is good to have other managers or business partners 
or even other people you can say I need you to take on some of this responsibility for this project and be the one to make these decisions so that I don't have to be the one that is targeted every single time with um, the way that I'm calling shots. This is an act of delegation that you can trust other people on your team to do and you can be the one to bring the decision to other people's attention but say well this person's running the project and um, this is what they decided so we're going to do that their way. It's super important to be unified as a management team. If you have more than one business owner, more than one manager, be unified. Do not throw this person under the bus and blame the decision maker because it's going to come back to bite you later when you need that person's support on a decision that you have to make and manage that same team. So maintaining that respect and authority for the person who's making the call is a good way to model what that's appropriately supposed to look like. But you can also bring that news to the, the team that needs to be uh, made sure that they're enforcing it by saying, hey, I get that maybe you don't agree with this, but this is the call that this person made and we're going to be able to respect that because they're in charge of the project. So modeling that in a way where you're respecting other people that you've given the authority to to make those calls diffuses you as being the bad guy, but at the same time, you're respecting the decision that um, that person made so that you can model it for others. Okay, now I know we've talked a lot about different ways that you can approach managing difficult people. We have one more episode in this series that we're going to be doing, so definitely come back next week for the last one. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm going to transition now into the gawk portion of our episode, and I'm just going to tell you a story about one of my friends who uh, used to run a fast food business, and um, here's the thing that I really learned from, from him that was valuable. He has some really great uh, explained clear rules, had high accountability, and um, just a lot of structure on if you do this, these are the rewards, and if you don't do this, these are the consequences. Very clearly laid out. And a lot of people hated it when they were there, but the reality was it was 100% fair, and everybody knew what the expectations were. And if you didn't like it because you didn't like submitting to authority or listening to um, leadership, that was uh, your problem. And uh, years later, he actually had somebody that came back who he had fired. And they came back and said, look, I worked for another manager of, of a different business, and it was horrible. There was favoritism, there was unclear rules, and nobody had like a clear path of like what they could do to be successful. And it was just, I felt so like I could never get any better and I didn't know what was expected of me to ever overcome where I was. And he actually ended up like saying all of that and thanking him for being such a good manager and holding him accountable because he wished this other boss would have done that to more people because there were tons of people there that should have been fired for um, not being accountable and not having clear expectations and and he just realized finally that good management and good boundaries are for not only my good, but create fairness for everybody else. And I think that that's um, encouraging because a lot of times when we're starting to set these boundaries in place or say, this is how the expectations are in the core values. And if you can't follow those, then you are going to have consequences. If those things aren't clearly laid out, 
people actually have no idea how they can succeed. And that structure is something that a lot of people thrive in. So definitely want to encourage you in that area as we're talking through managing difficult people and staying sane. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you should give it a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and I will see you next week.